Hello and welcome to the Pondering Polymath podcast. My name is Zita Porter and today we're talking about alternative lifestyles. A polymath is a person of wide-ranging knowledge or learning and in this month exploring alternative lifestyles we're definitely talking about a wide range of different experiences that people have. Today we're talking about woofing or worldwide opportunities on organic farms and I've been interested in this for a few years now, so I'm so excited to have these interviews today. And actually, for the first time, we're having two interviews in one episode. The first interview today is with Brittany, who's woofed in different locations across the country and also is a videographer. She has her own YouTube channel, which will be linked in the show notes, and she also works for Woof USA. So follow along and listen to her experience in her travels and working for the Woof Company. Hope you guys enjoy. All right, welcome to the podcast. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Introduce yourself to everyone listening. Yeah, hi Zita. My name is Brittany Portes and I'm a woofer. I am firsthand a farmer, lover of food systems. And with that, I am also a videographer where I've created a YouTube channel called She's So Rugged, where I share my wolf and solo female travel adventures. That's super awesome. I definitely looked into woofing a few years ago. It was kind of during the middle of the pandemic. And I was like, hmm, maybe this sounds like a fun idea, but never actually got the chance to do it. So it'll be really great to hear about your experiences. So what initially made you interested in woofing? Yeah, I think for me, my love of agriculture goes back to when I was a freshman in college. That was like the first time I had ever interned on like an organic permaculture farm. And it was the first time I had a real carrot is what I like to say. I remember I harvested this carrot, bit into it and was like, oh my gosh, this tastes like no carrot I have ever tasted in my entire life. And it was kind of in that moment where I realized like the disconnect between people and food and that I wanted to seek out more agricultural experiences. That being said, I think like fast forward like four years of my life throughout college, I realized I wanted more hands-on experiences working in agriculture and woof just kind of made sense. I just had graduated college and I knew I wanted to travel. I knew I didn't want the classic nine to five. Uh, <laughs> and Wolfing allowed me the opportunity to travel throughout the United States. It allowed me to work remotely while working for half a day. And I didn't have to worry about housing and food because that was also provided. And at the same time, I was doing something that I was already deeply passionate about. And I think the people I've met at Wolf while Wolfing has just made it all that much more worth it to be a part of the program. That's amazing. And I'm, I'm wondering, did you go to a college in more of a rural area where you got to have those experiences? Yeah, so the answer is no. Okay. <laughs> I, I went to a college like two hours north of New York City. So it was pretty like urban, suburban town. It definitely had a lot of hiking in the area. My major was environmental science and policy, but I actually didn't ever have like a food or agriculture focus. It was more so my personal interest, I think, throughout college where I actually would call farmers and ask to interview them or to visit like local flower farms in the area to start building my own network of organic farmers. Wow, that must have given you a lot of cool experiences as well. Oh yeah, no, that was so much fun because I think that was the first time where I started to realize like, hmm, 
I can just talk to farmers and learn about their lives because that was something I was so interested in. I didn't grow up on a farm very much from a suburban town. So it was very new to me. And the more farmers I met and getting to see their lifestyle, the easier it became for me to realize a lifestyle that I never really envisioned or had access to. I didn't have access to land and farming. So seeing all these other women who were doing it just inspired me even more to pursue agriculture in various different ways. It's very cool. Can you tell me about your first woofing experience a little bit and kind of what the preparation process was like, finding your host, things like that? Yeah, so I'm from New Jersey originally. And I knew I wanted to woof somewhere local. So I, when I first went to the woof directory, I was like, whoa, there's so many woof farms. And I also kind of just want to mention that I do work for Woof USA additionally. So I think like having all that knowledge, like I definitely was lucky that I had the woof team to help support me during this time. But I just remember thinking like, okay, New Jersey, like the farm that really struck my interest is called Sunshine Farm and Learning Center, and they're like two hours south of me. So it's still a decent drive, but I knew if anything went wrong, I was only two hour drive away from my home. And I stayed for a week. And for me, what stood out to this farm was just that they were open to accepting people who haven't moved before, who are fairly new to agricultural experiences, which I still considered myself pretty new at the time. And I don't know, there was something for me, a lot of it is like energy. When I see profiles, if they have really good descriptions, I think the hours worked well for my preference because hours can range anywhere from 20 hours a week to 30 hours a week. And I was doing about 25 hours per week at their farm. And it also like they had internet, which is something as a solo traveler who is a videographer and has to upload videos, having internet is like a must for me. So that was like a huge plus. And the fact that I was just in a new part of the state that I hadn't really explored Southern Jersey as much as North Jersey. So that really was eye-opening as well. And then like once I was at the farm, it like exceeded my expectations. I I went in with pretty low standards just because you never know what any experience is going to be like, especially living with people you just met on the internet, basically. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I also just want to say that like I made sure that I had a lot of questions prior to going. Like I asked like what the schedule's like, what the food is like, what the accommodations were like. Like they literally like Zoom called me and they were like showing me around the farm and like what my room would look like, for example. And then once I got there, the connection I had with these two farmers was so special because they really had a relationship with their land to say the least. They had this medicine little garden where it was like this area that was sacred for them where it is Native American land and they had Native Americans come to their land and create this medicine wheel. Well, they had created it without even asking them to do so. And in that space, the amount of people that bring their rocks, bring their stories, it was a space where it's like, this is a farm, but it's also a cultural and educational experience. It's also a place for people to feel like they can come as they are and learn. And through that week, It was insane the amount of growth I experienced from just getting my hands back in the dirt and feeling reconnected and also being surrounded by women who are in this farming world and so engaged to teach more people their skills. It's amazing. I didn't even realize the woofing experiences could be as short as a week. So it's so much more accessible than I thought to a wider range of people that you could just like take a week out of your life and go live on a farm. Yeah, I mean, kind of going into that, 
woofing can be as short as a day. This oh, wow. their farm, they actually, they're like 30 minutes from Philadelphia, for example. And they actually have a lot of day woofers who come like every other weekend. And they, yeah, they'll like woof in the morning and they'll share a lunch together. So that's just pretty cool. If like, depending on where you're at in your life, woofing can be a very varied experience for many people. Wow, that's super awesome. That's like giving me ideas now to find a farm near me. (laughs) Please, yeah, look in the directory is like what I encourage everyone because you don't even have to be a WOOF member to see hosts in your area. You might not be able to see like all the fine details, like where they are, but you can see the generally location of where they are to you. Mm -hmm. And even it's like I had a one week experience and from that, it like encouraged me to literally woof across the United States <laughs> to do like year long trips now. So oh, wow. you can grow with each trip. Yeah, that's super cool. And then I guess after your initial experience, did you have like any major goals going into your, your future woofing experiences? Hmm. Okay. A big goal of my own is to have my own homestead and my own homestead, but also separately an educational farm. I love sharing stories. I love being able to share experiences and like farming experiences and getting people to connect themselves with food. So when I look for wolf hosts, I often look for hosts that have experience being educators. And I know that looks different for many people, but it also, I love the nutritional component. People that love to look at the mind body soul between food and how it's grown and how we consume it because that is something that I really hope to share with other people that can hopefully come to my future farm one day and I hope to host woofers as well (laughs) that's amazing yeah you just kept going full circle when did you start working for like the wolf company initially Yes, I actually started working a year ago as well. It was about the same time when I started Woofing, when I started working at Woof USA. That's super cool. And then did you have any misconceptions going into your first experience that you're like, oh, living on a farm for a week, what's going to happen? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is communication. It's something that was stressed to me, but it definitely proved so getting there and not because we had a terrible miscommunication by any means. I think it just showed that like, because I was constantly communicating my needs and they were their needs, that's why I had such a positive experience. I have woofed in many parts of the country and sometimes I've, most of my experiences have been extremely positive, but I think there was like one host I went to, for example, that it wasn't the best experience because there was a misunderstanding, a miscommunication. And I'm realizing back on my part, I think we both needed to ask more questions about what both our needs were and what our schedules and timeline looked like. And that's kind of what I've realized is like, I don't know, what's the word you used? Misconception. Yeah, misconception. It's not really misconception, but more so just like the thing I learned the most about woofing. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And then... What do you think makes your lifestyle potentially alternative to other people's perspective? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, alternative, what a word. It it looks so different for everyone. I just think in relationship to my own life, when I graduated, I think it was very expected in my family that I, you know, pursue a nine to five, that I, you know, settle down, get an apartment. I think like the classic post-graduation narrative that a lot of people have this uh, family pressure of. And I think 
looking for a remote position for me, whatever it ended up being, I just, it happened to be woof for me, allowed me the opportunity to travel and to work remotely. I think also knowing that there's no strict timeline. I kind of, I used to think that like I had to accomplish X, Y, Z by the time I graduate or like go on this one path. I think even road tripping, it was like, I thought I had to go to all 50 states in one year when I realized I was like, what makes my life the way it is, is like embracing that I never fully know the next step. I don't have a whole life planned out, but it's also just embracing that like I'm having experiences every single day and those are enriching myself professionally, personally. And I've grown a lot in this past year alone. And I think it's really important that, you know, I think as we move into this new age, I think even like post pandemic, a lot of people have come to this realization that, you know, there's more to life than, you know, just working and working can be fulfilling. I truly do believe that, but it's, being able to chase what's fulfilling or not chase, but like to live the life that's fulfilling to you rather than trying to satisfy the expectations that others might place in your life. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I had a similar experience during the pandemic realizing, wait, I don't necessarily want to go to law school for three years and kind of figuring out my path and connecting my own interests. And I'm now working in the publishing industry, which has been super amazing. And yeah, so I definitely um, can relate to that feeling of not working like the normal job that your family wants you to do in the normal path. But I think I think that's, that's really cool. And I think one good thing to come out of this pandemic is so many people are realizing that for themselves as well. Yeah. And I think kind of something to add on to that is that it's like always changing. You know, I'm sure like you just mentioned you had the vision for law school and now you're working in the publishing industry. I had a vision working in environmental policy and like in farming, but I didn't realize even the roles that existed. I didn't know that I could be a storyteller with farmers. I didn't know that videography and farming had a connection, but it's like as I'm going through life and learning and having these experiences, I'm learning so much more about how jobs and roles take up different pictures like in our lives. Yeah. And then uh, do you have any favorite memories from your experiences or just like a few that maybe are off the top of your head? Mm. Well, that's so hard. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. When I first got to the North Shore of Minnesota. I've never been, I feel like it's pretty North, pretty close to Canada, and it's in the Midwest, which is on the East Coast. I looked at Lake Superior and I genuinely thought it was a beach. Like I'm so used to beaches that I like have never seen a lake that big in my life. And I was like, whoa, what is that? And just looking at the different types of trees, like the land around me, the views, I just remember feeling so in awe. And like realizing that there is so much beauty in the United States alone that I have yet to see. I used to travel a lot, like internationally and like think, oh, I want to leave the U.S. for all these reasons. And then I kind of took for granted what the U.S. also has to offer. And I think this past year has kind of re-reminded me that there's, you can find beauty everywhere around you. And that's definitely been like the highlight of woofing is just every wolf farm I go to, there's new characteristics of like landscapes I've never seen before. And I'm learning so much about them. Very cool. Yeah, I think there's 
especially just with how big the U.S. is, just so many different types of landscapes. So very awesome. Lastly, do you have any advice for someone who maybe is a first-time woofer? Yes. Like I stressed before, definitely communication. Or actually, before even communication, I highly would encourage you to journal or write down your vision for what you would like out of this experience, whether it be personal growth, you know, talking about like the types of relationships you may, might want to build with the host, for example, but also from like an educational standpoint, like what kind of farming do you want to do? Do you want to be like grazing with goats in the fields? Do you want to be flower picking in Alaska? Like, do you want to be on a vineyard in like California? Like literally put yourself in this picture of where you want to be farming and like why, um, like what calls you to that? Because I think once you have this image, even like knowing like, do you want a cottage? Do you want a tent? Do you want a yurt? You can be more specific by using filters on the Woof website. Even for me, like I love going to queer and BIPOC hosts. Um, as a woman who identifies as both, it's just been really great to meet community that way. And if there's ways that you can find community um, on the Woof website, I highly recommend using the filters, even with like different types of farming, like mycology, flower, animals, you can literally search it all up by each filter, which will save you a lot of time. And also just like maybe open your eyes to like different parts of the country you might have never considered. So I think there's also this huge like, I want to go to Hawaii, California, Florida, somewhere tropical, and those are all great. I probably want to go there too. But I will say there are so many hidden gems in like the remote parts of the countries because for the same reason, they're remote, they're like untouched, like so much beauty to be explored in those areas as well. Very cool. Very well said. I think that is definitely inspiring, at least for me to go on the website after this and look up <laughs> some places I can go. But again, Brittany, thank you so much for doing this interview today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was lovely meeting you today, Zita. Yeah, of course. That was a really fun interview, and it definitely inspired me to start looking into farming opportunities near me. So next, we're going to have a break, and then after the break, we're going to talk to Natasha, who has a little bit different perspective on her woofing experience. She's only done it once, and she did it in Germany. So we're getting a little a bit of an international angle. We're back. Now we're going to have Natasha's interview and she's talking about her experience woofing in Germany and a little bit about how her family history kind of led her to her interest in agriculture. All right. Thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you. Um, Can you introduce yourself a little bit? Tell me about where you are right now, what you're up to. Yeah, so my name is Natasha. I'm originally from Brazil. I've been living in Europe for the past almost three years right now. I was first in Germany. Currently, I live in Belgium, but right now I'm in Paris. So I've been all around um, studying and in various uh, projects. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, So you've kind of just been all over the place. Yes. (laughs) And what made you interested in woofing originally or kind of just being on farms and traveling? So I actually found out about woofing in the middle of the pandemic. My first year, I was interrupted 
basically for the pandemic when I was in Germany. And towards the end of the this first year in Europe, that would be like first year fully abroad in my life and such. I I've heard about it and I started looking for videos, looking for information and kind of like building up in myself this wish to go and work on a farm. And this is also connected to where I come from. So my family background, my grandparents, uh, not all of them, but my grandpa that I was raised with him, worked on the farm. Uh, and I grew up hearing the stories from that, but never experiencing myself. So what was that? And at this, I think all this background combined with my research interests and the things that I've been currently researching, gender, agriculture, and climate change, like the intersection of all these topics made me really like wanting to have a firsthand experience with farming, essentially. Very cool. Do you know what your grandparents farmed or were you able to go visit the farm or no? Uh, no. So... They immigrated from Europe to Brazil in the beginning of the 19th century. And they didn't own the land. They were just like basically peasants working in the land. And in that moment, in Brazilian history, I think it's too big to, to talk oh, about yeah. it right yeah, now. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, uh, he grew up there. For, he was the first child of nine siblings. And oh, wow. uh, he basically like was working the fields until he decided to go to a city and then my mom already was already born in the city. I was born in the city and, and so on. So it's kind of the activity my family was originally okay. this part of my family. Yeah, that makes sense. That's still very cool that you have that connection and you're able to kind of revisit that now. Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And then what was your preparation process like when you first had your woofing experience, like finding your host and everything like that? Yeah. So like, First, as I said, I was in Germany, so a wolf in Europe does not have a unified website. So if you're willing to do that in Europe, you have to, to check if the country has their own website. Very likely they will have. So you have to sign up for the specific country you're going. So I was in Germany and then I looked like for wolfing in Germany. So then I paid for the platform as an annual fee. So you have access if you're not a member, you can still check a little bit the, the farms and the opportunities, but you do not have access to who's the host, the name of the farm, and, and the location, essentially. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that uh, just to see what I what I would find. To be honest, I was still like testing the waters. I wasn't sure if I would really do that or not. So I decided to do that, and I, I started checking for places nearby. And I selected from more over 600 hosts. So it can be quite overwhelming to find a place. And, and so I selected 10 from within the location that I was and like how much I was willing to, to travel to go to a farm and accessibility. I think that's a good point to also like think about. And for me, I, I wanted to go by train and, and not too, too far because I, I didn't want to afford a far away trip. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I selected 10 hosts and then I kind of, I created my profile in the platform. So who I am and uh, uploaded a, a picture of myself and just like which languages I speak and this kind of stuff. And then I kind of made a pre-formatted uh, general uh, message because I mean, 10 forms, it's hard to 
make a very specific uh, letter of motivation to each one of them. So I had like a template and then I would be like, I, I just changed a couple of stuff in, in each one of them. And I, for some farms, I tried to write in Germans. For other farms that I felt were a bit more open to English, I just wrote in English because it's uh, the easiest way to communicate in my German. It's not that perfect. So, yeah, that's very cool. I'm glad you were able to like have the multilingual opportunity to like work on different farms or potentially work on different farms. And do you have like maybe some highlights from that woofing experience or like where did you end up going? Yeah. So I think like this is still like a bit connected to your previous question, but uh, I made sure that the hosts were kind of nice in the response. And then with one of them, they were really responsive and really, really, I, I sensed they were really chill and super open-minded. And we had a video call and I was like, yeah, this is it. Like that's where I want to go for now as well like was my first experience so I really wanted it to be it's already getting out of your comfort zone so I didn't want it to be like extremely getting out of my <laughs> comfort zone and I I ended up going to this uh, property in a very very small village in, in Germany they have a permaculture garden actually like two gardens and they have a very huge barn that they are essentially transforming it into a house they host events there they make cider on specific times of the year and so they have like a lot of activities going on and one of the main principles of permaculture is to share to have community to build community so I, I was really interested in knowing how they were doing that because in each location, it can be really different. And I ended up going there and they were actually, so I was in this tiny little village in Germany in this property that was owned by people from the Netherlands, actually. And it was really nice because I arrived like just to like the first moment was we were communicating in English and so and then I arrived and they were like oh you you do speak a little German don't you I'm like yeah like yeah I can I can get by and then they put me to talk to the neighbors so I I arrived and then I I was already kind of talking to to one of the neighbors and at the end I was I was really sad to to leave and uh, (laughs) I said goodbye and this kind of stuff was really really nice also to to meet people that essentially lived there for hundreds of years. Wow, yeah, that sounds super awesome. And I'm sure great immersion to to learn German better. Yeah, a lot of people actually, I think, do Wolfgang as well to improve language skills. Oh, yeah. Um, It wasn't really my case, but it was definitely like a very international environment. Very cool. And did you get everything you wanted out of that experience and like have you whooped again after that? I think I did. So I had a very short window of opportunity to do that. And at first I was like, oh gosh, like I wanted to be longer, but at the same time, I really wanted to be like, actually, like I wanted to have that experience. And and then I I opted for, even if it was just for two weeks, I was like, yeah, I want to do that and I'm going to do it. And I I highly recommend like everyone that feels like they want to do it, just do it regardless if it's going to be for a year, for six months, for one month, for one week, like doesn't matter because I think I've learned so much and also like learned stuff about myself, like because my work has been very much office kind of work and 
researching very academic and research centered work and when you work with your hands and like it's kind of bodily demanding sometimes you definitely put your mind somewhere else and your focus is somewhere else and it's also very interesting to to see like physically and uh, mindly how, how I was at the end of the day. So I definitely, I think I enjoyed it so, so much. I really, and I had a very positive experience in the farm that I was. I haven't really done it after this experience. I've been trying to, to see if I, if I can do it or not in the next months, but I definitely like that put me in a position that I already had a little experience. And so for example, I was in Canada for a semester and I essentially like everywhere I would go in the countryside in Ontario in Nova Scotia I would be like talking to people finding small properties even at school like just finding people to talk about this topic in a way like even if I was not really woofing I felt like woofing was with me that's and awesome yeah I I really want to do it again but as I said like I think it's just going from one one opportunity to the other as much as my time and my schedule and the stuff that I'm doing allows me so yeah and some people listening might think that going to live on a farm for a couple weeks is like sort of a very crazy idea to just kind of drop everything and do that and like the topic of this month on the podcast is alternative lifestyles so I'm wondering if you think that like living on a farm, for example, would be considered alternative? Or do you consider like if you had continued it for longer for that to be an alternative lifestyle? Or is it like very normal to you? I think it is alternative for sure. Okay. I think everything that goes beyond what we established as normative. So going to school, having a proper quote unquote work, mm-hmm. um, I think can be put into this category of alternative. And also wolfing, it's volunteer and like you exchange your work with uh, food and shelter and uh, learning as well on the farm. So you basically, if uh, you just have to afford your transportation and like extra costs, I don't know what could be an extra cost for the stuff that are not really provided by the farm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that gives you a lot of challenges, I think, but also a lot of freedom in terms of lifestyle and um, yeah. how much you actually need to pay for living. And uh, at least here in Europe, the prices for housing are just like skyrocketing and yeah, yeah. can talk about like gentrification and this kind of stuff. And when you see yourself outside of the system, it's kind of liberating. Like it's really interesting. Yeah. And do you think there's any principles or ideas that you took from your experience woofing that you've kind of translated now into your life today? I don't know if they're principles or... Or just like ideas, like habits. Yeah, ideas for sure. So like right now I'm I'm doing a lot of research in agroecology and I want to one day, I don't know how long is it going to take, but I, I do have the wish to have my own property one day and like build community and just having volunteers coming and like sharing sharing the products of the land and sharing the land itself so I do I think that really impacted me positively like seeing that it's possible and people are doing it it really really made 
yeah, I think it's really t- huge takeaway from from this experience. That's awesome. Yeah, these these interviews are definitely inspiring me. I'm gonna look on the the woofing websites and and see if I can do something soon. Uh, but yeah, yeah, and in Europe, like I've seen a lot of people that just stay one month in one country and then goes to the other country because it's fairly easy to travel by train and such. So it can also be like, if you yeah. happen to be around, I think it's also interesting to choose different places. Yeah, it's, I'm sure it's a great way to, to travel for some people and get to see so many different parts, um, so many different areas of the world. So that's, that's super cool. Uh, well, that is all the questions I have. And I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and doing this interview today. Thank you. I appreciate you inviting me. Yeah, of course. I really enjoyed both of those interviews. And I think it's cool to see the similarities in how both Natasha and Brittany want to have their own farm or homestead in their future so that they can have similar experiences with volunteers and sort of sharing their love of the environment and agriculture with the people who come to visit their homestead or farm. So I think there are a lot of cool opportunities for people who want to try woofing and try this new experience for maybe a shorter period of time. And for the U.S., there's one unified Woof USA website, and in Europe, you have to go on the individual country. So I think this is a really great way to be able to travel and also get your housing covered, and you don't have to worry about that. And I know I'll be going on the website and looking at some places I can potentially go, but I'll also link the Germany Woofing website and the Woof USA website in the show notes so you guys can check it out too. Thanks so much for sticking with me till the end of the episode and if you did make sure you follow and subscribe and give us a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. I would really appreciate it and I really appreciate all the support thus far. But until next time, hope to see you guys next Sunday for the next episode of Alternative Lifestyles. Mm-hmm.